0: have any kids ready to go back yep sweet yeah we had uh yesterday a lot of the kids were here and they did a great job in service and pulling out and filling up bags full of groceries for the for feed the need and so uh it was a real blessing to have all of them with us yesterday Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just uh, ask that the, the words that I say here today be pleasing unto you. The meditations of my heart be glorifying unto you, Lord. Uh, that all that we do here is glorifying to you above all else. And all, pe- all God's people said, Amen. So, for... Each week here, for the last several, we have been applying the Enneagram types, personality types, uh, to characters from the Bible. Next week will actually be our last week of this, as the last two, Pastor Jeremy will be coming in and take care of the last two on next week. And then after that, we're going to begin begin a new series on Jesus as we go through Lent and through uh, up to Easter. So, so far, we've learned about fives. Uh, eights, ones, the reformers, eights being the challenger and five being the observer. Uh, We've had stories of the Magi, Thomas, Nicodemus, uh, John the Baptist, Samson, uh, the Apostle Paul. Last week we learned about sixes, and uh, the week before that was twos with Mary and Martha. And so today is time for the top of the heap. Uh as it's called, and nines, the peacemaker. I don't have any nines here with us that know you're a nine. Got a couple over here, here, and a few others. Oh, Claire. That maybe be why we get along so well. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, I am a nine, so at least that's what they tell me I am. So I just want to know, for, for all these nines out here, just know that this sermon hurts me as much as it's going to hurt you. So. <laughs> so Enneagram type nines are typically known as the peacemakers. Nines have the uncanny ability to see everyone's point of view at once and can join in either side of a debate. However, they usually choose to withdraw from the debate altogether because they want to avoid conflict and anything that might upset their claim, they're calm, guilty. Nine sit atop the enneagram for a reason. It is not unusual for a nine to have difficulty finding their type, since they can relate to so many other numbers. They can understand the drive of the three, the desire to be helpful to a two, the skepticism of a six, and the protectiveness of an eight, all at the same time. This can be a good thing or a very bad thing. Healthy nines make excellent mediators, able to bring up two conflicting sides to the table and find common ground between them. Unhealthy nines, however, can be crippled by the conflicting viewpoints and simply shut down, withdrawing into themselves and their own little world. If nines don't want to be moved, then they can become the most stubborn type on the underground. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But if the nine truly doesn't have strong opinions, then they're usually happy to go with the flow. Nines are laid back and accommodating. The phrase meh is a great motto for nines, especially on the unhealthy side. They avoid conflict at all costs. Lacking focus and drive, nines can go the entirety of their lives without a true identity or purpose. Nine can be peacemakers or conflict avoiders. Yes. They can be laid back and easygoing, or they can be an immovable stick in the mud. My wife was here in first service, and I had a whole lot of feedback from her during this whole thing. <laughs> so. They can be assertive and fight for just cause or they can be masters of sarcasm and passive aggressiveness. They can be aloof or welcoming. Guilty is charged. Nines often defer decisions to the group or to the one in authority. As kids, nines picked up on the message that their presence doesn't matter very much, so they learn to fade into the background and keep their anger in check, lest they rock the boat. For many nines... They see them see very little value in themselves, even when many others see and say otherwise. Nines come into their own when they learn to pair their ability to see all points of view with the assertiveness to act on what they know to be right. Nines, especially in my case, like to play devil advocate, something that gets me in trouble with my aforementioned wife, Debbie. As a husband, she expects and deserves me to support her. As a nine, I want Peace. So when she is in conflict, the male in me wants to fix it. The nine in me wants her to see the other person's point of view, which she just wants me to listen and support her. My wish for all to be at peace usually means I have no peace at all. But healthy nines can be a blessing to everyone around them. When they are growing, nine moves into the direction of growth and show the healthier characteristics of type three. They see their true value. They begin to develop and invest in themselves. As they, and they understand the peace they seek is actually asserting themselves by sharing their talents, intelligence, and heart with the world. And who is possibly the best nine, best example of a nine in the Bible? Known as the father of the faith. Any ideas? Abraham, believed to be a nine, Abraham. God called Abram to leave the place of his fathers and travel to a distant land. God promised that he would bless Abram with offspring, two numeral count. It's a beautiful promise, really. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and on whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now I encourage you, there's a lot of text in the story of Abram and Abraham. Uh, Much too much text to go through in a regular Sunday morning service one time. Take your Bibles as you can. Go back and read, especially chapters 12 through 20, 22, and familiarize yourself with the covenants that God made with Abram uh, for a God that never goes back on his covenants. Now, I really don't know how well any other Enneagram type would be able to handle a promise like we just read. A three would let that go directly to their head as an ego inflated to the size of a hot air balloon. A four would probably try to hide from the responsibility You've got the wrong guy, God. A seven would almost be too eager to, for the task. A one would likely get caught up in all the details of exactly how and when God's plan would come about. But Abram simply trusted and went. Have to wonder what Abram's, Abraham's wing was. A nine with an eight wing is a dreamer. They're more outgoing, assertive, anti-authoritarian, and may move between confrontational and appeasing the nine with the one wing is the idealist which is actually my wing they are more introverted orderly yes i am in some things for those that you know me well idealistic critical emotionally controlled focused cerebral and compliant so we go on to the very next story in Genesis 12 starting at verse 11 He was about to enter Egypt. He said to his wife, Sarah, and this is Abram. I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into the palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. "'What have you done to me?' he said. "'Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? "'Why did you say she is my sister so that I, so that I took her to be my wife? "'Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go.' Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. It took fear of Abram that he would be killed to make Sarah alive. To avoid that conflict that he might have, he had her life. And it brought God having to correct his mistakes. A very similar thing happened in Genesis 20, where once again he he presented her as his sister. Nines often think they are doing what's best if they avoid conflict, but often that only makes the situation worse. Then there's a time when Abram and and Lot, his nephew, their herds and flocks were getting too big. They knew they couldn't stay together, so they decided to part ways. Abram would go in one direction, Lot the other. Abram let Lot have the first pick. Nines share some commonalities with twos, for instance, putting other people's needs and desires above their own. When Sarah grew tired of waiting for God to act on his promise of a son, she urged Abram to take her handmaid and use her as a surrogate. This is yet another instance when Abram avoided a potential conflict and everyone was worse off because of it. Hagar bore a son named Ishmael, and Sarah grew jealous and eventually sent both of them away to make it on their own in the wilderness and Abram just let it happen. When under stress, nines will start to show some of the unhealthy characteristics of sixes. They become anxious and worried. They become testy and defensive. Their minds start racing, and internal anxiety increases. God changed Abram and Sarah's names to Abraham and Sarah. Chapter 17. Abraham, meaning the father of many nations, And Sarah, while similar in pronunciation, and both spellings meaning princess or believed to mean princess, the change to her meant mother of nations and many kings. In chapter 18, we learn that God sent his angels to investigate the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, where Lot and his family had settled. The report was not good, and God sent word to Abraham that he planned to destroy the cities and the inhabitants, But Abraham took on the role of mediator and began to bargain and negotiate with God on behalf of the cities to the point that he negotiated all the way down to if there was ten righteous people left in the cities that God would not destroy them. The cities were full of evil, but Abraham still saw something worth saving in them. And then finally in chapter 22, Abraham and Sarah were blessed with a son of their own, Isaac, God fulfilled the promise he made to them so long ago. I believe only a nine could have been as patient as Abraham, but then God called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac upon the altar. Some theologians and rabbis over the years have insisted that Abraham should have argued with God on behalf of Isaac like he did on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. But the belief, and I believe, that Abraham had learned by this point to fully trust in God and that God was in control of the situation He sounds confident in verse 5 when he tells his men, we, he and Isaac, will go up and worship, and then we will come back down. Abraham ended up outliving Sarah, and one of the most amazing ordinary little verses jumps out to me every time I read about his death. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he, gathered, he was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar, the Hittite. The field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah in Genesis 26, 8-10. through Nines have a way of bringing people together. Even in his death, Abraham was able to bring Isaac and Ishmael together again. Not sure that they ever worked out all their differences, but... They were together for a time because of their father. I think that's a very touching detail that's often overlooked. Nines often live in tension between action and inaction. When pressed with a choice, they choose not to choose, which is still a choice. Nines and all of us must learn to move, to act, to decide, to fight. Deciding not to choose is almost never the right decision for any of us. Abraham was compliant and stubborn. He was a pushover and he stood up for his beliefs. Abraham shielded away from conflicts and he got in arguments with the God Almighty. Abraham acted in his own self-interest and he became the one through whom all nations would be blessed. Abraham was self-absorbed and concerned about making everyone happy. Even unhealthy nines can serve God. So we turn to another story. The story of Jonah, the reluctant prophet, believed to be a nine as well. Tasked by God to preach in Nineveh, Jonah runs the opposite way. Hops a ship, hoping to avoid the godless Ninevites. You can't outrun God. No, you cannot. Jonah can be hard to find Jonah 1, starting in verse 8. So they ask him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? And these are the sailors on the boat that are asking these questions of Jonah after he has run from God, going completely in the opposite direction, estimated somewhat up to 400 miles in the opposite direction of where he was uh, from his, where he started and from where he started should have been 500 miles to Nineveh and so he's almost a thousand miles maybe away from Nineveh at this point where do you come from what is your country from what people are you he answered I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land this terrified them and they asked what have you done they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, Jonah replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Even an unhealthy nine in his running brought others to the Lord. And Jonah prayed after being swallowed by the fish. In these words, part of his prayer in chapter 2, verse 8 of Jonah. Remember, he is deep in the belly of the fish. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I will shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it spit Jonah on the dry land. And so Jonah begrudgingly agrees to preach to the Ninevites. Surprisingly, they listen and repent. This upsets Jonah. Why? Well, in Jonah's story, you see the spiritual slothfulness that often defines a nine. He's unconcerned with the salvation of the Ninevites, for they were not Hebrew And for Hebrews, God's concern should be of no matter to other people's. But God used Nineveh as an example that God wants all people reconciled and and God takes no joy in destruction of any creature. But here is Jonah. Three days in the belly of a fish, good as dead, then alive. And a three-day walk across Nineveh, a sprawling city of 120,000 plus. Three days, symbolism of three As I read over the text for today, I was struck by the symbolism. For years, the Apostles' Creed stated Christ was crucified, dead, and buried, and descended into hell or to the dead, depending on the version, before being raised on the third day. It is and has been believed during those three days, Christ ministered to all those separated from God. And we see a common theme throughout Scripture of God sending forth messengers to bring the lost into the fold. And here is Jonah, mad and unconcerned with his own life. Not long after, he wants to kill himself. And as a nine, I can understand Jonah. He was sitting at home, minding his own business, watching Netflix, playing his games, being his slothful self at peace. Not really. But he was faking it pretty good when God calls And like any unhealthy nine did that didn't want to rock the boat, so he ran. Instead, let me tell you, that never works. But here he is, swallowed by a fish, walked for three days, and mad not at the Ninevites, but at God. Because he knew if God was sending him so the people of Nineveh would repent, then God wouldn't destroy them once they did repent. A people Jonah could care less about. But God sent him anyways. But like Jonah, I've learned you can't outrun God's love or purpose. But unlike Jonah, or maybe because of Jonah's story and others like it, I've learned that all people are loved and valued by God. And that's the rub. How, as a nine, to be at peace with all around when being called to reconcile others to God? My struggle is to be at peace with each, but my call is to spread the gospel of Christ a message that the world needs to hear, but many don't want it even mentioned. The fact is being a good person doesn't guarantee life eternal. And as a nine, the desire for peace with the individual gets in the way of the desire for the individual to be at peace with God. But God sins anyways. And maybe for some here that you're not at that place of peace with God but know that his altar and his table is always open. But for those that are, I want you to understand, it is more important that you are at peace with God than you are ever at peace with me. The good news is that Christ died for everyone who believes in him and accepts him as his Savior And repents of their sins, submits to him as Lord, and, and this is a big and, and accepts that his grace is enough when humanness gets in the way. That is a message we are called to spread. The world needs Jesus now more than ever, and it is up to us to spread his message through word, action, and deed. And so, as we finish up, what is the core fear? The core fear for a nine is a fear of loss and separation for others, being in conflict, loveless, separate, uncomfortable, unimportant, overlooked, shut out, alone, or out of harmony. Type nines are deeply motivated to create peace in their environment. They spend much of their energy working to maintain status quo in their relationships and constantly stuff down their own needs and desires to avoid conflict. Their fear of losing connection and harmony with people will break the elusive peace they crave. Type nines and all of us need to know that your needs and desires matter to God. Hear that again. Type nines and all of us need to know that our needs and desires matter to God. And God is our stability. Not people. God put each of us here for a reason. You were chosen according to the purpose of God, the Father, and were made a holy people by His Spirit. To obey Jesus Christ and be purified by His blood. May grace and peace be yours in full measure. First Peter 1 Peter 1-2 Nines. We see you. I am you. We love you. We need you. God created you with a gift to see everyone's perspective. But don't lose your own perspective while looking at everyone else's. God created you to live your life. God has blessed you that, so you can be a blessing to all people. Just like another famous nine, Abraham Lincoln. What would the world be like without him? God's invitation for you and us today is this. I invite you to be free from the false belief that you don't matter and believe that your place in the world is crucial to the unfolding of my purposes. I see you, and the passions I've given you are worth pursuing. Nine, your tender-heartedness may make you avoid arguments or conflict with others, but you can, but you and all of us, can trust that God is in the midst of those hard things and can use your gifts, our gifts, to point others to true peace that Christ offers. Amen. as we come to this closing hymn it is because he lives stand and join us in number 364 Hear these words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall have eternal life and never perish. Take that message into the world. The world needs Jesus. And if we don't take it, they won't never know it. Go, be salt and light. God be with you. Amen.